The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap and IGN.com and critically acclaimed.net. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. That's all. Just surprise. <laughs> I was so surprised. Were you surprised? <laughs> and an almost fanatical devotion to... Oh, shut up! <laughs> that's that's my Gen X Monty Python reference for the day. Fantastic. Mm. Uh, all this month on Cancel Too Soon, we were reviewing TV shows that were very recently canceled. Just this last year, in fact. Uh, and we call it Suddenly Last Season. Uh, and uh, this episode is a bit late, and that's my bad. I had to. I had to, some difficulty setting aside time to delve into the completely psychotic world of the show that we are about to review. It is, it's, it's, it's bingeable, I, see, but I, it, uh, it's like dropping acid. I, I was able to watch it over a course of three days. Yeah, could spread it over three days, and that was hard enough. Yeah, you I think did it in maybe an eighteen-hour period. About a day. Yeah, yeah, I ended up having to just carve out it. Just life happened. I ended up having to carve out like a whole day, and just basically, it was like Dante's Inferno. If <laughs> if hell was this show. Now that being said, is it the good kind of hell or the bad kind of hell? We're gonna find out in a second. Um, this this is a show that uh, I think a lot of people weren't talking about. And based on my exploration of it, I think they should have been. It's it's very odd. Uh, it was very ambitious. It's uh, incredibly high concept. And yet, I never heard about it until we yeah. were just looking into what had already been canceled. I remember an so announcement. Life was, it, it was already a corpse by the time we came upon it. I, I remember there was an announcement. I was like, oh, there's a show called that. Okay. And then nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm. And then we looked up the, the premise, sounded neat, and we decided to do it here. And I'm really glad we did because we're going to have a very interesting time talking about Blood Drive. In the distant future of 1999. A global fuel shortage has ravaged civilization. Nice ride. But instead of going green... Have you seen the engine? We went red. The fuck? These cars run on human blood. Have you seen gas prices lately? Midnight Grindhouse presents... Blood Drive, a twisted new series, almost too depraved for cable TV, where a violent vixen and a Ken doll cock compete against psychos in a deadly race with a... No one cares about story. We told you that. Yes. What the fuck, man? Blood Drive, where every week promises a new Grindhouse inspiration. Cannibals. Keep them coming, Daddy. Monsters. Cults. Lawmen, Nymphos, and Amazons. Where hot girls always so mean? First, you'll question your eyes, then your sanity. My God, that's disgusting! 
interesting. Gentlemen, ladies, lunatics. Racist to your mark! Feed your engines. Blood Drive. Good show. Love the ending. Okay, so the concept of Blood so, Drive. So in 2007, there was this movie called Grindhouse. And, uh, <laughs> Grindhouse was directed by Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. They each did a feature film that was inspired by Grindhouse classic cinema. Neither of them did exactly a Grindhouse movie. Robert Rodriguez mm. took the idea of a Grindhouse movie and inflated it to cartoonish proportions, yeah. gave it a budget they never could have had, and that was a lot of fun. Grind- and then uh, that was Death Proof. Mm. No, that, um, that was Planet Terror. That was Planet Terror. And then Death Proof, Quentin Tarantino's half, was more grindhouse. He was more low budget, but it had actors and car chases and this stuff you never could have had in that grindhouse format. And although actual grindhouse movies are plentiful and you can watch all of them, you can watch as many of them as you want. Mm. Um, you, you, this, can find, you can find grindhouse movies on like YouTube. Uh, they're just everywhere. Cats! Speaking of grindhouse movies, uh, we're uh, living through Attack of the Cat People right now. Cats! Oh my goodness, and they're trashing the apartment. Oh my god, and one of them has grown wings! We can do a whole radio drama right now with those, those background sound effects. Knock it off, cats! <laughs> That's serious. But yeah, uh, the, the movie Grindhouse in 2007 did sort of usher in an entire wave. You can find a lot of them on Netflix mm-hmm. of these Grindhouse tribute films yeah, that's, that it's, weren't it... at all accurate to like 1970s Grindhouse movies, but had that kind of schlocky over the top approach like retro approach to their aesthetic yeah, it's a nouveau grindhouse yeah. where they really like uh many of the looks and appeals of it but they're only interested in the inflated cheese mm. um that being said those can still be a heck of a lot of fun and if you go back to the grindhouse if, era there are a few done right yeah. there, there are a few films from the grindhouse era from the early night from like the 1970s which do feel like progenitors of this modern phase. I'm thinking specifically of Paul Bartel's Death Race 2000. Death Race 2000 is... Well, that Death Race 2000 is the direct inspiration for Blood Drive. Yeah. But uh, as they advertised, and as... It was a premise they didn't stick entirely close to, but they did a really good job of trying to encapsulate every single episode uh, underneath the, the... umbrella of a very particular subgenre within Grindhouse. So one episode is the episode about uh, the Cannibal Diner. Mm-hmm. One episode has the Amazon princesses. One episode is just the weird psychotic dream episode. Yeah. Uh, but one episode is more of a yeah. Western, yeah. etc. Uh, yeah. there, there was also... So the, the premise of the show is Death Race 2000. The entire season is about a race from one coast to the next. But it's all set within this gigantic, rather complex universe, this, like, alternate future of 1999, where there's all of these other, like, this gigantic arc going on within all of these encapsulated episodes. Yeah, so it's not just the future. It's the future after, like, there was a giant earthquake and something Mm. they called the Scar Mm. opened up across the United States. And it basically Right right where the Mississippi River is. Yeah. Yeah. And it sent the entire, like, world into economic chaos. Uh, Lots Mm. of cities throughout the country have devolved into various forms of road warrior type uh, uh, disarray. The cities have all... And people have to sort of... They're fighting for water. It's a really rare resource. But at the same time, this mysterious, like, white ooze 
came up out. It's essentially Larry Cohen's The Stuff. A little bit, yeah. Came up out of the scar, and it has allowed certain technologies to evolve very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and in Death Race, uh, in Death Race, mm. there was an inner, there was a coast to coast car race with lots of uh, flamboyant characters. Mm. Su- souped up supercars yeah. that look like animals. and, and yeah, the, I, They're like wrestlers. And there were two things. One, it was not just like an underground thing. It was like nationwide entertainment. And also, you got bonus points if you kill pedestrians with yeah, your you, cars. You run people over and you get points in the game. Yeah, it's a very cynical, mm. mean, but very funny movie. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a satire of modern entertainment. It's just yeah. things have gotten so violent. How far are we from actual murder on camera for just for the sake of entertainment? Yeah, like and snuff in, TV. And in Blood Drive, they take that like to another level. So on top of well, it, uh, you in, actually in literally... In Blood Drive, they you, take everything to another level. Yes, but just to start with, uh-huh. uh, there is a television series called Blood Drive. It but they're, is, they're working on the pilot, essentially. Well, they've been doing it as like an under, as like a, a, a closed-circuit television show mm. for the rich and the famous and the powerful. But it's going to go public. It hasn't gone public yet. Yeah, but, but it's the still, plan is that they're going to take it public. Yeah, but it's still, it, there's still a certain celebrity to it. Mm. And uh, a bunch of dangerous psychopaths uh, get in cars which have engines which eat people. You have to feed human like you, they don't have to be alive. You can just put blood in them, but they just feed people into them. Yeah, which it's really inefficient because they feed people in and blood sprays out. I'm thinking, no, catch all that blood that's spraying out mm-hmm. and put it back into the engine. No, it's, it's the okay. engines just have big mechanical mouths and you feed people in and that's how the the cars go. Yeah, because gas so, is like five hundred dollars a gallon in the so, future, uh, so this is the best they could do. So every one of the racers is a murdering psychopath. Yes, and uh, they are they go across the country and every episode we learn more about their backstories and we also take a different pit stop which of course has another adventure mm-hmm. if you're familiar with a cancel too soon show which we haven't gotten to yet but we i keep meaning to mm-hmm. drive <laughs> just plain old-fashioned drive uh, co-starring emma stone before she was famous uh it's basically that premise with a, with a lot of horror stuff okay. um so, Blood Drive, let's just uh, get our backgrounds in, uh, in check, was air- it aired on the Sci-Fi Channel from June 14th through September 6th, 2017, so it was right at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was created by James Rowland, who doesn't have a long filmography, he's done a lot of short films. Um, I hope this gets him more work. I hope so, too, yeah. because this is a very distinctive uh, <laughs> uh, series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main characters, and there's a huge ensemble cast, so we're only going to deal with like the half yeah. dozen main, main characters right. for now. Um, there is a cop who is investigating the mysterious disappearances and ends up finding the start of the race and getting forced to become a participant. He's, his character's name is Arthur Bailey. He's played by Alan Richson, who's probably mm. most famous for most people for playing Aquaman on the TV series Smallville. Uh, oh, well, that makes sense because he is a hunk of ice cream, that man. Yes, he is. Yeah, they, call he him, is. they call him Barbie just because he, like, he looks yeah. so good. He's, he's un, so unbelievably handsome that they have to sort of address it in the script. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, you're wow, you're a good-looking man. We're going to call you Barbie because yeah. you look like a Barbie doll. And he, uh, he gets involved in the race with... Uh, 
Grace Dargento. Grace Dargento, uh, played by a Spanish actress. Christina um, Ochoa, who is on the TV o- series. Ochoa. Ochoa, sorry. Mm-hmm. She's on the TV series Animal Kingdom. She was also on the Cancel Too Soon series Matador and the Cancel Too Soon series Valor, which was also last season and we almost reviewed it, which would have been <laughs> so pretty funny. We would have met Christina Ochoa either way. Yeah. Uh, and in addition to racing together, they have bombs in their necks, so they have to stay close, like in close proximity to one another. Yeah, they, they, have, they have bombs in their necks that will explode if they're the last one across the finish line at any leg of the race, mm-hmm. if they w- walk or run too far away from each other, or just if the people who run the race think they're being bad. Yeah. Um, or, or if they leave the party at the end of each leg. Yeah. So, so they're they're prisoners. All of, all of the racers, they enter voluntarily, except for Arthur. But they're also prisoners of the race. Yeah. Uh, the race is run by Julian Slink. Okay. Julian Slink is the part every actor sort of prays for. Because he's the MC, And you think he's just going to be the MC. He gets to wear the top hat and the ghoulish makeup. And he gets to gesticulate like the MC yeah. in Cabaret. Yeah, just, just a spokesman. But as it turns out, he's really involved with the executives in charge of the race. And we learn a lot about him as the show goes on. And so he actually turns into this really, really interesting character. Yeah, he gets this to be incredibly amoral... flamboyant and over the top. Uh, amoral as hell, uh, just kills people randomly. And yet you develop an affection for him over the course of the series. He's the character I always wish the Joker would be. Mm. He's kind of, he's, yeah. He has that sort of... But, you know, far more violent... Like, he actually has license to be violent and depraved. Yeah. There's a, a bit uh, where... He's holding up this, like, gigantic corkscrew. He's like, uh, tell me a fact, and if you tell me I don't know, I'm going to shove this up your urethra. And, the, and the, the fellow he's talking to just sort of spreads his legs and says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Julian Slink just is, like, kind of, he's mad for a second, then just says, eh, all right, and kind of walks forward. <laughs> we'll talk a, a lot about Julian Slink as, this, mm. as the series progresses. Um, let's see what we got here. And uh, lastly, we have uh, Arthur's partner, mm. uh, Christopher Carpenter, who ends up being recruited into this evil corporation called the Heart Corporation. Mm. He's played by Thomas Dominique. Uh, he was in a miniseries called Undercover. He was in an episode of Black mm. Mirror. And he ends up spending the basically the whole series with... Strapped to a table with Aki. <laughs> yeah, a, a robot played by Marama Corlett. Uh, you might recognize her from Guardians of the Galaxy, the TV series Sick Note, or the Cancel Too Soon series Sinbad. She's been around. She is. She has been around, and she gets. They all get quirky characters, don't they? Well, uh, why do a series like this unless you're going to make them all really over the top? And yeah. and over the top is where this series lives. And it took me a little while to get on its wavelength. Hmm. But once I was there, I kind of started to fall in love with Blood Drive. Yeah. And really, like it wasn't until the Sex Plague episode that I really sort of figured out. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I'm here. What did, what were you confused about before the sex plague? Well, uh, so I could see what they were going for. They have the pilot episode. They just set up the premise that we explained to you. Mm. And, and in fact, uh, there's, there's actually this cute bit before the pilot begins where there's a little voiceover explaining it's the future. There are cars that run on blood, and they kind of just say, "And we're sorry, the producers insisted that we explain this before the episode began." Yeah, it's like, well, well you'll. It's all clear, but yeah, here we go. And and honestly, like that seems like it's just some kind of shitty joke, but it actually ties into as the series progresses. This meta narrative that th- starts happening. There's this yeah. weird meta narrative where we start following Julian Slink as the executive producer of Blood Drive as he starts getting notes about the show that we're watching yeah. <laughs> and how he needs to change it on the fly, which he does. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating. <laughs> and and you know that the show's creators were getting notes from sci-fi saying, oh, yeah. like, this is a little too weird. It's like, well, I pitched it this way. What did you want? <laughs> so, yeah, they make a subplot about how 
Blood Drive within Blood Drive is getting notes from in Blood Drive executives. It's like, and we need them to fall in love. Why? Why are they going to fall in love? <laughs> Why do you care about these people so much? We have an ensemble cast of eccentrics. And uh, that Julian Slink gets to murder several executives in cold blood is clearly a fantasy by the show's writers. I guarantee you. So, yeah, the first episode is called The Fucking Cop. Mm. Uh it is uh, about Arthur and his partner, and it's the near future, and much like in RoboCop, the police have been privatized, and yeah. they start getting paid by the arrest. And boy, <laughs> is that a bad system. <laughs> uh, it's a bad system. You can see it happening, though, can't oh, you? Oh, you certainly can. Uh, and it's so it's so damn corrupt that at the end of the day, like in order to like build morale and stuff, their chief collects teeth that they're supposed to have gotten from busting heads the day, that day. And they get prizes for however many teeth they turn yeah. in. Uh, Arthur, who has a real... A real good guy streak, a real noble streak. He really mm. wants to do the right thing, even though the world is going to hell. It's kind of like the beginning of the original Mad Max. Um, he stumbles onto a bit of a mystery, and he follows it all the way to the start of the blood drive. Uh, he basically is a dumbass and runs out and says, I've seen you all feeding people to your cars. You're all under arrest. Uh -huh. And so they uh, shove a bomb in his neck. Because they ex uh, he expects them all to go, well, all right. <laughs> you got us. <laughs> they shove a bomb into his neck and they make him the partner mm. of, uh, of Grace, who it turns out has joined the race. She has no compunctions about, uh, about killing people. No. She doesn't no, no. give a shit. But she's in the race because there's a $10 million prize, and she can use that money to take care of her sister, who has been committed to an institution for reasons we discover much later. And, and she doesn't know exactly where, he, or she kind of knows where her sister is, but mm -hmm. her sister has gone missing, and she has to go find her sister. That's her yeah, motivation. Exactly. Um, the other racers in the race, um, there's... The uh, square married couple that mm -hmm. drive a, a Prius. Yeah, good, good, good and, mileage. And and, and their their marriage is reaching is kind of staling, so they're yeah. not having the best relationship. It they're really like, sucks, like, and like they've started they've started killing other people, and it's not healthy. yeah. Like they used to kill together, and now they're killing other people, and that's put a strain on their marriage, and they're constantly bickering. And he wears like pink polo shirts, and she wears like boring sundresses. The visual is great because it's a juxtaposition yeah. to the rest of the crazy world. There's also Fat Elvis, uh -huh. Clown Dick. Yep. Um, oh, God. Bad sushi. Else? Bad sushi. There's all, like yeah, all these really weird. They're like luchadors, more or less. Yeah. And as it turns out, there's like many, many other racers that we meet later down the line, but we're only introduced to about a half dozen at the start. Yeah, uh, well, we, I, that needs to expand, because mm. uh, people die constantly on this show. Like, characters <laughs> you get, you start feeling they affection for. They erupt into volcanoes of blood. Oh, the other two important ones, the gentleman and the scholar. Oh, that's right. So there's a very uh, a dandyish, mm. older British gentleman uh, who's also a serial killer, and his... Um, his partner is a very what's the word I'm looking for mouse-like yeah very ro ro rodentia rodential sure uh, he's he's a he's a very weaselly little guy who's easily dominated they're in a sexual relationship but it's not healthy at all yeah um and yeah he's and, the, and, he's the, and the scholar is like the, the whiz mechanic he can yeah. fix anything yeah um. And they end up, uh, Grace and Arthur end up having a sort of a grudging respect with the scholar mm. that ends up being useful later on. So 
in the in the pilot episode, it's just the death race episode. They just focus on the race aspect. Yeah. Well, they have to they have to lay down the premise before they can get to mm-hmm. the the crazy subgenre. And they episodes. need to establish that Arthur is trying to be a good person. He's trying not to kill anybody, but that's going to be really difficult mm-hmm. as the series progresses. Um, unfortunately their adventures in the first leg of the race have them running last in the Mm. race and the bombs are about to blow up but they have heard that adrenaline Uh, might slow down the process of blowing up their necks because even though it's 1999 they've seen the movie crank yeah (laughs) so uh they end up as they're speeding along the highway pedal to the metal Mm. uh in order to stay alive long enough to cross the finish line before their heads explode Mm. they have sex while driving wild crazy abandonless sex abandoned bareback anal sex on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. It works. <laughs> and then and Julian Slick like, is like, that was fun. I'll let you live. He's like, that was clever. I'll let you live. But he, they're, they're, they do have a line of dialogue saying, but we've changed the bombs now, so you can't do that again. It's yeah. like, okay. You only well, get the one. So you can't do that every time. It's yeah. not going to be a free out. Um, all right. So the next episode is Welcome to Pixie Swallow. Uh, and Pixie Swallow, uh, it's a roadside diner, and they're serving people. They sure it, are. It's 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 said pretty much up front. It's it's a it's cannib- in the first scene. It's in the first scene. Yeah, cannibal diner. Their meat is very rare because it takes a lot of water to raise beef. Um, yeah, I, we don't see a lot of people eating vegetables. It would be nice if they were eating like fruit salads. <laughs> it takes weird. a lot of water to raise that too. I suppose so. Yeah. But yeah, so, but they have these really, and it's a 50s diner. Everything's 50s. The waitresses mm. are 50s. The chef looks like. Alice Cooper in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're just chopping up people and serving them and they have to figure out what's going on and figure out it's people. Luckily, uh, Arthur only swallowed one bite of meat. Yeah. We also learned that uh, more about the gentleman and the scholar in this episode, how they do have this unhealthy sexual relationship and how the scholar does not feel appreciated. Yeah, which will and, be And the gentleman is, is a complete sadist, cruel asshole. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Chris Carpenter, Arthur's uh, partner, is trying to investigate right. Arthur's disappearance. He ends up teaming up with an officer. By the way, I'm sorry for the noise. There's mm. there's construction going on around us. The best time we can do this. And we apologize. <laughs> so, Hopefully it won't last much longer. This will, this will be our gr- grindhouse ambience. Yeah, uh, he he ends up teaming up with a girl in the force named Aki, mm-hmm. uh, who turns out betrays him and is actually working for the evil Heart Corporation. And not only is she working for them, oh, that's right. We haven't said the name of the corporation yet. Yeah. It's called the Heart Corporation. Yeah, the Heart Corporation owns everything. It owns the water. It owns the cops. It owns blood drive. It's the it's evil the behind only, everything. It's the only evil corporation. It's yeah. What was the Krebs? Clamp Corporation? Corporation from Gremlins? Too? No, the Cre- Cre- wasn't Krebs the one from Pete and Pete? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, anyway, Aki leads him into a trap, and it turns out there's a whole bunch of her because she's a robot. She's, she is a torturing sex robot with, like, a Betty Page hairdo, mm-hmm. whose job it is, I guess, is to extract as many fluids as she can out of Christopher. Yeah, and there's an entire episode. There, oh, there's that's like just four episodes no, of, he, of her doing nothing but torturing this he, guy. He's strapped to a table for almost half the series, but uh, there's a whole episode that's just her extracting various fluids and developing a weird emotional connection with Chris. And it turns out that she's an android and doesn't have emotions. Well, but they actually say there's actually a glitch in her system and she's actually capable of doing a lot more than she was designed to do and they can never replicate it. So they just made more of her. Mm. Um, That's why. So there's a whole bunch of her throughout the entire series and you're going to see her a lot. Um, so uh, they end up fighting off the cannibals. There's a great bit where the cannibals are trying to kill all the racers, and the racers are trying to kill all the cannibals. Mm. And uh, uh, one of like the evil 
racers stops the entire fight. Wait, 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 oh, wait. What was this? It was like pig skull or something. Skull blast. Uh, Bob Johnson. I forgot his oh, name. Oh, now it's important. Fist man. teeth. Oh golly, what uh, was that guy's name? Hold on, yeah. we gotta we gotta look at because it, it is kind of fun. What, what, yeah, Ribbone. His name is Ribbone. Ribbone. Ribbone stops the like everyone stop, and he looks. Whose car is that? And the guy's like mine. And he goes into the car. There's like a little chihuahua in there. You didn't crack the window. This dog could have died. And then, of course, he like pulls his brain out <laughs> and protects the dog. And then we've had all these little cue cards introducing everyone, introducing Ribbone, introducing yeah. Clown Dick, yeah. and then we introduce Caligula, the dog. <laughs> he will be important throughout the series. <laughs> Yeah, um, rib, rib bone survives longer than you'd think they would. You would think. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, so they fight off. They fight off the cannibals, mm. and uh, they move on. Is this the episode with the waiting room? No, that's the next episode. Okay, so the next episode, I love this 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 whole bit. Mm. Uh, the next episode is Steel City Nightfall. Um, they end up, their Grace and Arthur's car is breaking down and they need to part, but they're driving past a former, like, car manufacturing. They're, they're driving past a, another Grindhouse movie. They're driving past Detroit in the future, yeah. uh, and Detroit has devolved into a whole bunch of people who accidentally drank experimental gasoline and are trying to, like, eat gasoline and they have glowing eyes and something's happened that's turned them into night ghouls yeah and the only survivors in the city are uh basically businessmen who only speak in cliched aphorisms you'd see in like a team building exercise yeah they 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 speak business speak you know they talk a lot about their mantra is synergy Yeah, and then they talk about like proactively leveraging their brand, you know, all, all of those that sort of business talk. And but yeah, they're they're like fighting s- off gas sleeveless, monsters. filthy cultists now, and they're fight, fighting off gas ghouls. It's it's beneath the planet of the apes. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Julian Slank has been called to the corporate office, and uh, <laughs> he spends the entire episode in the waiting room, waiting to see if he's going to get fired, while some. <laughs> Dorky shithead talking about yeah I'm, I'm I'm really excited to have to get this job at the Heart Corporation I was surprised they called me apparently some guy's really screwing up at his job and I'm gonna be able to take that job this is great I'm gonna call my mom and Julian Slink like you can see lava coming out of his eyes it it feels like a Stephen King story just this like waiting room experience that just goes horribly horribly <laughs> wrong finally the guy gets his meeting before Julian Slink and says I got the job the other guy is fired and Julian Slink just beats him to death with his briefcase mm. and then Aki or one of the Akis shows up and says, he was our new waste management guy. Anyway, come on up. They're ready for you. (laughs) Life is cheap in this show. Yes. People get murdered in public places and no one cares. And Uh, it's it's a lot like... um, Humans have become a resource. Overpopulation is a huge problem. So you may as well just feed them into your car. Uh, the the car angle is abandoned pretty quick, actually. Well, like near the, like the second half of the series, the fact that they have to feed people into their engines is kind of an afterthought. Well, you can't really That's build how a, over the top. It goes. You can't. You can maybe build a whole movie around that, but it's yeah. difficult. Like a whole series just about feeding people to your car. You got to do stuff. And mm. I actually really like the way that the show by making each leg of the race its own separate movie. Yeah, they're really good at keeping it different and inventive with every single episode and that's really hard to do Mm -hmm. in a storyline like this which is basically just you got to get from there to there Mm. and every time they stop there needs to be a damn good reason for them to stop because it's a fucking race 
and they figure out damn good reasons, which are exciting motion pictures, and they're very well filmed. Mm. So uh, I think I was frustrated when I was watching like the first three or four episodes of this because I wanted it to be a movie. I wanted it to be a little bit more focused on the race, and I thought mm-hmm. they were getting a little too distracted with all of this myth-building stuff. Yeah, you didn't realize that the uh, myth-building was the point. Well, yeah, that the myth-building was kind of the point, and the more time I, like, I, the more I learned about Julian Slink, that he was sort of a key player in all of this. Yeah, he's been around since the 1950s, and he hasn't yeah. aged, and no one knows why. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, you know, that he's talking to the corporate office. He's not just some freak who takes a stage, like, you know, they found some hobo and put him in a feather boa. Yeah. Like, he actually has a lot, and that he takes so much glory in a wide variety of depravities kind of speaks a lot to his character. There's a, there's a fun bit where him and his assistant, they're just taking turns using dental drills on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Just no, cause, cause no, no, they, okay, no, they, nothing. Just for fun. Just for fun. They're like drilling each other's nerves. Uh, the next episode, but, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, just it, it's, it's, yeah, it wasn't until I realized what the arc was going forward that I started to see a larger story develop. The and when they really started, when they were able to stay at the fever pitch they started at, mm-hmm. it's like by episode four, it's like okay, you're really committed. It's like okay, because in the first couple episodes, it's like we're going to do really shocking things just to grab you, and it's I've just seen, violence, violence, violence. And, and yeah. I've seen a lot of cable shows try to do that in the past. You know, where like Deadwood, we're going to tell you a western, but they're going to say the f word and they're going to have sex and they're just gonna, the blood is going to be greater. It's like well. Didn't need that. You're just trying to grab my attention. That's HBO. That was HBO stock and trade in the 90s. It's like, we're mm. going to do a horror show, but it's going to be really gory. And it wasn't until, like, the show had kind of kept on going and kept on upping the ante as they went along that you realized the showrunners weren't just trying to grab you. They were genu- genuinely interested in this kind of depravity. I think maybe- they had a lot. They had thought about it and they had a lot of ways of pushing the envelope and they were going to go at it from many different angles. I think maybe their first like four are a little too similar and maybe they should have varied that up a bit and had a couple like of the wilder later episodes at the beginning to show people just how broadly the show was going to be painted mm. as opposed to just more more murderers. Yeah. That said, I don't I don't really care. This show had terrible ratings. Oh no. The majority only <laughs> hold on. According to this, only the only the first two episodes had more than 500,000 viewers. And they just left. And then they just they just left, and it and it went from anywhere from the four hundred thousands to the three hundred thousands. Because well, because it se- it seems like just a joke in those first two. It's like yeah. we're going to do this grindhouse thing, and it's going to be wild and strange, and that's it. And yeah, they really needed to. They didn't need to do anything. Actually, I think they did it right because mm-hmm. they they needed to establish a lot to get as ambitious as they did. But if the audience had stayed with it, they would have seen that the joke was bigger than just this kind of fun shtick where we're going to do a lot of violence and depravity. Yeah, the, the whole, the whole, the characters and the plot really grow on you over time because yeah. it, the immediate excitement, it, you're right, it's always at a fever pitch. It's always super fucking entertaining, like at every given moment. Mm. And, and that's hard to take, and actually. It is, and it's hard to sort of see that underneath that, there's some real satire and some genuine, maybe not, the deepest well, depths ever, but there's some depth there, here. There's a moral element because Grace, even though she's a horrible murderer, is racing for something she's very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it's not that sort of they give her the motivation. I'm looking for my sister. And that's a Grand House movie motivation. Just yeah. I, I need to find my sister. And that's you know, something Clint Eastwood might say. But after a while, we do begin to learn what happened, why she needs to find her sister. And uh, uh, what's her name? The actress. Um, Christina Ochoa. Uh, Christina Ochoa 
puts a lot of humanity into that desperation. She starts to to really express that getting her sister back would restore something to her that she's lost. And, and in participating in the blood drive, you see that she's actually kind of fallen and she doesn't want to have. Meanwhile, Arthur, who's this kind of goody-goody, the whole joke is supposed to be that, oh, isn't it funny that this pure person is engaged in all these depraved activities? He is strongly resistant to all of this violence throughout, and we begin to see that his goodness is leaking into other characters, including Julian Slink in a way. Um, so there is this moral dimension well, going on that becomes kind of complex as the series goes on. The depiction of the world in mm. Blood Drive is in, as cynical as it gets. Absolutely. It's, it's violent. It's mm. corrupt. Uh, mm. there, there is no morality. There is no reward for goodness. Uh, There's it, only punishment it, for goodness. It, yeah. it would not have surprised me if the twist was all these people were in hell. Like, it, yeah, that's not yeah. it. But, like, if that's where they had gone, I would have been like, yeah, okay, makes perfect sense. <laughs> Everything is horrible all the fucking time. However... Uh, by amping that up to a billion and then putting one, like, just normally, and we find out more about his backstory, but one seemingly normal, heroic, decent human being just trying to hang on to a shred of morality becomes a Herculean task. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we can relate to, to his struggle after a and it's half hard, of the series. And, however, the world is so insanely evil that it's hard to really judge some of the characters who in any other movie would be monsters. Mm-hmm. And, and they are monsters here, but they're sympathetic monsters. Like, it's easier to have sympathy with Julian Slank and Grace because they're a product of this horrible fucking environment. In Julian Sling's case, very literally. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll find out that in a bit. The next episode, and this is where the series goes completely insane. So the next episode is called In the Crimson Halls of Cain Hill. And this is where this they is the finally... insane asylum episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where they drive by the area where Grace's sister is being held, and they decide they're going to break her out. Grace's sister, rather obviously, is named Karma. Get it? No, well, I mean... It's karma. It's karma. karma. Yeah. Her name is Karma. That's the theme of the whole thing. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they go to this insane asylum where it turns out that uh, on Halloween, they were given experimental candy by the Heart Corporation, <laughs> which drove everyone murderously insane mm. if they weren't already. And, and everybody's murdering each other in the hallways. The lunatics have taken over the asylum. And by the way, that was Halloween. It's currently June. So the, the, <laughs> it's been a it's, while. It's been months. Uh, they have to go in there and look for karma in this chaos of flickering fluorescent lights and murdering maniacs who all crave candy. And they managed to do this by uh, getting the scholar who owes them one after he after they mm. saved his life in the cannibal incident uh, to uh, basically screw with the control device for their uh, shot collars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Julian yeah. Slink can't kill them right now. For yeah, for going off on their own, Julian Slink doesn't know that yet. But yeah, they're they're safe for a little, so they're able to leave the depraved party that ends at the end that mm. takes place at the end of every uh, leg of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, it's a disgusting party that you don't want to go to. Oh yeah, there's there's you know fight pits and mosh pits. Uh, the suck bus will come into play in the next episode. <laughs> It's like one ninety nine a minute, and you go in, and you just have depraved sex on a school bus. How romantic! I bet it <laughs> smells great. Uh, so the Christ. idea of the suck bus just kind kind of made me feel it's really so gross. gross. Yeah. It's so gross. The whole mood, the whole show is so gross. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So the inmates are taking over asylum. 
Turns out the karma isn't there, hmm. but they did have to fight and kill a bunch of people, and Ribbone is sent after them as well, and Ribbone gets his comeuppance hmm. uh, in, at the, in... At the hands of the lunatics. At the hands yeah. of the lunatics, when, uh, in order to get them... He, uh, Arthur basically dumps... Uh, the candy, the candy yeah. on rib bone, and then the inmates eat him alive. Fun, yeah, yeah. See, they're they're keep they keep on going, yeah. With the cannibalism and the horror and the depravity, they they don't run out of ideas. The but next yeah. episode is called the fucking dead, and this is where I kind of fell in love. <laughs> was yeah. this episode because it's sick? <laughs> it's a very twisted episode of television. So it turns out a a young kind of cleaver-esque looking brother and sister have it in for Julian Slink. And they are typhoid Marys for an oozing sex plague that they can pass on to people by kissing them. Yeah, uh, just in case you're not familiar with the history of that, typhoid Mary uh, carried a a horrible, deadly disease but didn't have the symptoms, Mm. and she killed lots of people. Yeah. Um, And and, and the phrase typhoid Mary is now used as someone who carries a disease without getting sick from it. Yeah. Um, now, and their disease is sex virus. You mm. want to have Im- sex immediately. It's, yeah. And basically you have sex until you kill people. You, 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 yeah, you, you become so horny, you kill people, and then you essentially ejaculate your guts. It, it's gross. It's super gross. <laughs> so this is all going on while Arthur and Grace are trying to torture Julian Slink into giving them more information about the Heart Corporation. Mm. Julian Slink is completely immune to torture. So, yeah, f- f- we're going to take off your toe. Fine. Use this tool. It's more painful. <laughs> God, I love Julian Slank. He's okay. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Arthur ends up getting infected and keeps trying to have sex with Grace, so she keeps hitting him in the balls. Yeah. Which is really fun. There's a bit where they they send him off alone. It's like he has to search through this and find a clue. And he's like looking through this empty office looking for a clue. And there's like a girly calendar on the wall. And he stops and looks at it and just sort of like pants heavily for a little bit. He's like, <laughs> okay, later, later. <laughs> The the solution to the problem, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe the craziest ending mm. I've actually seen in a bit, just because, really? And it turns out they need, that... They need to find a cure for the sex virus. And yes. it was, the sex virus was developed many years ago by someone within the Heart Corporation, and they have developed a, a, a vaccine... And the way they get it <laughs> is kind of gross. The only way to develop a vaccine is for two people who are infected with the virus, who are blood relatives, to have sex. And then they will ooze out the cure. Yeah. So they have to convince the brother and the sister to have sex mm. in order to stop the so, sex virus. So Grace has to tell, like, has to kind of like flirt with them and kiss them both and say, you know, this is all what you've always wanted. So and, fucking weird. and they're right next to like this giant meat grinder that they're about to feed Julian Slink into in like a, a filthy steam factory. What, what's with weird? like grease and ooze on the floor? Meanwhile, there are a bunch of sex zombies pounding on the wall. There's like their bodily fluids are leaking in under the door. It's the grossest thing I've seen on television, and I'm. And I love it because they're going there. It's really you, you can never claim that they held back. Although yeah. I gotta tell you, like they don't actually like do the deed. They just start making out and they start glowing orange, which we find out orange mm-hmm. is the right color. And then Julian, no, they start like, doing the deed. They yeah, start, and then Julian just throws them into the meat grinder. I'm like, mm-hmm. if all we needed was to get their like chemistry together, we could have just thrown them in the meat grinder no, they, already. I, I think they were they were in the midst of doing the deed wh- right. when they were thrown into the meat grinder. The orange ooze sprays over everyone, and they're okay. Yay! 
hooray! Yay! Blood drive. So, so it's a good thing all those sex zombies were sprayed with incest ooze. <laughs> what a relief! The show was on basic cable. It's just on the sci-fi Basic channel. cable. There's so much nudity and violence and profanity. I can't fucking believe it. this would get an NC-17. Mm. And it was on basic cable. The next episode is called Booby Traps. Mm. Uh, in this episode. <laughs> and I think we can stop here. No, in this yeah. episode, Julian, Julian Slink owes Grace and Arthur one. And he decides mm. to reroute the race uh, near where Karma was transferred. That's why she wasn't at the mental mm. institution they went to before. So they, but, but the, the new wrinkle is everyone has a new device in their car that will stop the car for 10 minutes if they hit the brakes once. Mm-hmm. They, when they're driving through the Savage Land, as it is called, they run into a whole bunch of Mad Max Road Warrior bikers who start jumping over their cars for no reason. Because it's scary. Because it's scary. And they, then it, they, they do that in Mad Max Fury Road. They like leap off dunes just because it's fun. It's so cool. Yeah. And uh, they, they end up having to stop their car and they are abducted by an Amazon tribe. Because, of course. There was a bunch of women who were being held against their will in a mental institution by the Heart Corporation, and they have started a new society. They, they broke out, they kill all the men, and yeah, there's this on desert-dwelling enclave of Amazon road warriors. So, of course, they offer Grace and all the other female racers a place within their ranks. And, and it turns out they took over a spa, so they're constantly getting, like, literal spa treatments. Yeah. Like, pedicures and massages and stuff. And they essentially have eunuchs. Like ca- well, carrying robes and stuff. They have uh, there's 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 like two guys that they already have abducted, mm. and what they are they are they are milked with a machine that does not look fun, uh, <laughs> and yeah, they're not like having sex with them. Like they don't get they don't get that much. It's it's kind of astonishing how much semen there is in this show. It's a lot. There's a lot. Like, like too many episodes center around semen. It's a lot. And uh, but when they're not at work. Mm. The dudes are allowed to hang out in a literal man cave with, like, Mm. beer and an easy chair. They're given easy chairs and beer in a literal cage underground, and that's supposed to keep them happy. And one guy, he's fine with that. Well, it's interesting. Like, the whole Amazon storyline that we've seen trotted out in... Every Futurama had an Amazon yeah. episode, and it's an, it's an opportunity a lot of storytellers have. It's like to, a porn setup, more. It's or a less. porn yeah. setup, but it's also potentially an opportunity to talk about um, gender sort of roles, yeah. gender roles, and by inverting them, mm-hmm. uh, you can make a statement about it. Um, but what I do like about the way Blood Drive handles this is. Ultimately, they come to the decision that the protagonists do that the Amazons are all doing the wrong thing. Mm. However, the men that they have abducted and are keeping, you know, locked mm. up in a cave They're- are horrible human beings. <laughs> Even when they are completely <laughs> physically and and psychologically just dominated by powerful women, they still talk shit about women mm. as a gender. And you're just sort of just like, y- you know what? Y- yeah, just keep them in that. Mm. I don't want them out. Well, the hell with that guy. The, the the Amazon princess. We said it's a porn setup because it's a male fantasy. It's you know you can as a man project yourself into the as a straight man project yourself into this world where there's a bunch of women, there's no men, and they all want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. It's like oh, no, this is not about culture. This is not about exoticness. It's not even really about, about colonialism anymore. This is just about having sex with a bunch of women at once. Um, and the, yeah, the blood drive is really clever. And inverting that because the men don't want to be there and there's horrible people 
they're not living out any kind of fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's not giving the audience. It's not giving them that, and it's not giving the audience that. It's not sexualizing the Amazons. And good for them. Honestly, like I will give Blood Drive a lot of credit for this. Uh, they sexualize the men as much as the women throughout yeah. the entire series. Arthur I think, and I think Chris are they're shirtless more often. We see their butts a lot. Um, yeah, like the, the, they love filming those guys. Well, I'm, I'm good on them because those guys look amazing. They're, they do. They're, yeah. they're attractive, attractive people. The camera, you know, goes over Christina Ochoa's body a lot, but mm-hmm. and. At the beginning, you think she's going to play that just sort of, we're going to have the Megan Fox in Transformers shot of her in every episode. We're going to, like, pan up her leg, and she's going to leaning over a car, and we're just going to sexualize her. But they don't do it, like, like do it occasionally, and whenever they do, it's always kind of on her terms in a way. Yeah, she's like, deciding she, to look She's attractive. deciding to look that way, or is, like, dressing a certain way to manipulate somebody to get, you know, to well, advance the plot. The opening scene is basically literally that shot of Megan Fox in Transformers, where mm. she's, like, fixing an engine, and the camera luxuriates yeah. over her body, and but she's doing that specifically to entice someone to stop so that she can feed them into her yeah. car. So... I, I appreciate the the responsible way this completely irresponsible show <laughs> handles the way it objectifies human bodies. Yeah, when hum, we're in a world where human bodies are literally objects, they're just fuel. They're really responsible about the way they sexualize people. Um, oh, is this also the episode where we find out that Slink has been replaced? Oh, the next one is the one? gentleman's agreement. Yeah, the next one is the gentleman's oh, agreement. Yeah, so, so at the end of the episode, Slink um, is getting notes from the old man in charge of Heart Enterprises or Heart Corporation, whatever, and um, he's told that uh, he's he's fired. And they were going to kill him, but it turns out there's a clause in his contract where they can't. Uh, so <laughs> and that frustrates the executives. But so yeah. he's demoted to janitor, and the gentleman is put in charge of the blood drive, which is going to like debut live in front of the world. Uh, and he'll be the star, and Julian oh. Slink won't get any of the credit, and he's furious. He's furious because Blood Drive is his baby. We learned that like, he created the show. It was all his idea. He has better ideas as to how to how the story should go, how to manipulate the characters. He's really mad. We also haven't been talking about Chris and Aki during all of this because we kind of covered their story. The, their story is not... Uh, they're around, and it's interesting, but it's not driving the plot yeah, for about the first half we, of the We season. cut away from the story just to see that Chris is still strapped to that table. He's still getting fluids extracted from him, and we learn at the end of all of this torture that all she really needed was a single tear. She just needed a little tiny bit of DNA mm. the entire time. Yeah. Um, Chris ends up uh, being recruited into the Heart Corporation, and he thinks he's going to be they give working him a, undercover to take him. Yeah. They give him prosthetic eye. He decides to work as a security officer just so he can sort of sneak around and find out more. Mm. Unbeknownst to everyone, not knowing that there's a camera in his eye, because of course there is. Well, why would you so assume can, otherwise? Yeah, so they, they can see every because everybody's up to something. Mm-hmm. So Aki can spy on him, and Aki is... She's completely inhuman. She's cruel and sadistic. She's really behaves really strange because she's a robot. She doesn't know how humans are supposed to behave. And she starts to develop a weird regard for Chris. Yeah, she can't quite define it within her parameters. Yeah. Um, and that develops into a storyline in which Aki becomes more human. Mm. Which uh, is a bit of a cliche, but the actors handle it well. And I, I, I think that. they do it okay. It, it, um, it, it's the, it's yeah. So the next episode is the gentleman's agreement. This is the one where the gentleman takes over the blood drive, and Julian uh, 
tries to basically destroy the gentleman by releasing an ogre that he knows happens to have been made in the basement <laughs> of the Heart Corporation. The ogre starts killing everybody. Yeah. The gentleman starts like working overtime trying to figure out how to stop the ogre. It does not go well. Um, there's a fun bit where the gentleman's trying to have... At the end of every race, a leg of the race, there's a huge mayhem party where everyone has sex and no. kills each other and it's fun. And and the gentleman's like, no, 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 we're going to have a civilized dinner together. We're going to have a conversation. And he sounds like he's the brain gremlin. Like, <laughs> he really does. It's, it's fun, but it's not well, civilized. Come on. Both were clearly inspired by Tony Randall. Yes. Um, the gentleman ends up getting his comeuppance at the hands of the scholar who rigs the... The bomb device to mm. only work on the on the gentleman's neck bomb. Yeah. So when he, he hits the button to kill other people, he kills himself. Fun. Yeah. It and, works. And, and all of the, the drama they're in, they have to get the box, they have to pass it around. Yeah. But uh, at the end, Julian Slink ends up doing in the ogre because he's the only one who knows how to handle it. It's his show. He takes it back over again. Yay! A- after being a janitor shortly. I think it was this episode where they also introduced the, like, the the like teleportation gashes oh uh the the blood portals blood blood, doors? blood door like yeah like these big fleshy openings open in a wall and you can step through and teleport anywhere you like yeah and, and we've seen chris exploring like the actual heart corporation it turns mm. out there are like rooms in the basement where the laws of physics do not apply yeah it's very people, strange people vanish yeah so there's all this weird interdimensional stuff now introduced into the show uh, episode eight is a fistful of blood uh Arthur and Grace. Uh, Julian's sick and tired of them taking center stage and he just wants them dead. Mm. So he sends them on, on their leg of the race near the scar where no one survives. And it turns out there's actually a couple people mm. surviving. And they end up in an old west town where they're using an electromagnetic pulse in order to make sure there are no there's no electricity. Mm. And as a result, it shuts down their neck bombs. And they're actually able to remove them. And they go with, they're with the scholar. So the scholar yeah. is also... Has his neck bomb removed. While they're there, and uh-huh. I assume this would have been important later, but like in season two, but they never got around to it. Mm-hmm. They run into a car that can go a million miles on a single charge. It was like it was like a nuclear powered car. And I'm right. like, oh, that's gonna be like how they end up like winning, winning the race, race right? without like killing people. And I'm like, no, that just doesn't come up again. <laughs> I guess they would have gotten to it someday, but they never mm-hmm. did. Um, there, there's something, and this is the one that's told out of chronological order, right? Yeah, you see it from Arthur's perspective, and then you see it from Grace's perspective. Mm. So, from Arthur's perspective, he falls in league with the sheriff, who tells him that there's like a bunch who look, of who is not Michael Parks, but looks exactly looks like Michael like Parks. Michael Parks. Uh, the sheriff says there's like a, a, a team of, of monsters out there who are threatening our town, and we need you to go in there and turn off their generators so we can go in and, and kill mm-hmm. and and arrest them all. And Arthur's like, okay, I'm a cop. And meanwhile, Grace, uh, who learned in the Amazon episode that her sister is dead, uh, is going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And Julian Slink shows up and... Just to, to make things worse for her, pretty much. Yeah, and so they have this big sort of drinking showdown where they reveal some new stuff, but mm-hmm. mostly it's just them being badass actors together. Grace is a badass. She's like, such a badass. She, she, she's, she's so cool. I want to see that show she was on, Valor, where she played a soldier now, because I buy it. Like, yeah. I want it. She, she She's really tough. And, and again, you know, at the beginning of the show, it's like, oh, well, she we just got her so we can film her legs. But no, she's actually a real character, and she care, she's a good enough character actress that she was able to 
sell how hurt she was throughout all of this. In this really heightened would, environment, yeah, which is difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, She brings the genuineness to it. It, it all comes to a head. Uh, people do the right thing, huzzah. Mm. But Arthur is seriously injured, and Grace has to take him to, in the next episode, the Chop, the chop Saki Special... And this is the f- the weird freak out episode where nothing's real. She 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 goes right to the lip of the scar where there is a where reality doesn't really the rules don't hold together. Uh, and there is a Chinese restaurant that is still in operation somehow in the middle of the desert. There's nothing else yeah. around. And uh, the owner offers, I'll give you like first aid, but you have to you have to you have to buy some. So they mm. order the chop sake special, hence the title. And uh, this is Arthur's vision quest, and this is where we find out. That before he was a cop, back when everything started going to shit after the scar, uh, he was a looter, mm. and a police officer had an opportunity to arrest him, but and decided not to out of the goodness of his heart. It's like I'm going to give you another chance. This is actually a good chance for you. And Arthur, we see in that scene, like this this encounter with the cop is what made him decide to be a good person. But the problem is, is that. Uh, when he initially saw the cop, he panicked, his gun went off, and he didn't realize until after the conversation was over that the cop is shot and dying, mm. and the cop died because of him, and all of his pretenses towards being a good person are rooted in guilt. So he doesn't actually trust that he's a good person. Yeah. And so a lot of this episode is about him coming to terms with his own morality or lack mm. thereof, and he has to basically figure out his own soul in order to survive. Also, there's a weird story point here which doesn't get resolved, where we find out that the owner of the restaurant at the Scar uh-huh. is Aki's mother. Well, Aki was uh, is a robot, but she was built f- using human parts. They say that she has like human elements within her. I guess like, I just figured that, that would be the, important. That later. was the only re- well, I, I'm sure it would have come into play in season two, but yeah, but yeah. So Aki is a robot, but there was an original Aki that they built all of these people off, and yeah. and AKI stands for something. I forgot what it was. Oh, I don't it's actually like, know. Like a, automaton kill something uh the next episode is scar tissue and here they end up in the town of cronenberg isn't that cute <laughs> this is, and this is the uh sort of the stepford wives episode yeah so they go into a town where uh, even though it's the apocalypse even though they're right next to the scar everything is super nice everything's really clean there's a lot of water grass is nicely clipped everybody's wearing white everybody's happy and arthur is just kind of done like he's yeah. just gone through so much he's just like you know what this place is a gift. Let's just take it. I don't mm. care anymore. We're not going to save the world. What are two people going to do against this giant corporation and all this evil? Here, right here, we can have something kind of like a normal life. Isn't it great? Uh, we just went to a party for a guy who's about to sacrifice himself, and he was super happy about it, and mm. gave me his wife and his job as a cobbler. And uh, <laughs> see, there's there's no, there's nothing weird here. This is all really nice. Uh, and Grace is like, uh, let's, let's go into this church. What's going on? And yeah, it's just regular looking Protestant church, but they open up the altar and there's this big gigantic hell mouth that nobody really seems to notice. And nobody seems to care about if yeah. they do. And it turns out uh, it's all really horrible and terrible, but the scar is secreting a gas mm. that makes everyone kind of euphoric and not give a shit. Yeah, and, and kind of makes them hallucinate. So when the gas wears off, we actually get to see that everything's not really as nice as it looks. Yeah, everything looks really gross. Yeah, everybody's, like, diseased and has co- you're covered with pustules. And, yeah, and the houses are not nice. Like, yeah. it's not like everything's well-kept. It is it is the apocalypse and terrible. You're just in, you're just in denial. Mm. Um, that's well-handled. Well and uh, and Julian Slink is now sort of chasing them down, asking them for deals, because he was in the, the Western town as well. And he's the one who ends up kind of saving them and shutting the town down, partly from cruelty. He, he's... <laughs> He's not an altruistic character. 
but um, he, he just likes the the it turns out just in that moment that the damage he wants to do coincides with helping some people well no because what happens is he, he wanted to kill grace and arthur he was sick and tired of them they're, mm. they're the studio is overly enamored of them and they're messing with his narrative but then they t- it turns out that he'll he'll be fired and killed if he doesn't Mm. Like keep them alive, so he has to get them back. Sure. It's kind of ironic and annoying. Uh, the next episode is episode eleven. This is the actual title, like oh, Star Wars: Rise of the Primo. So the Primo well, is the name of the winner of the last race, and, and, and this, it's, it's a coveted title. And this is where things really kind of hurt. Yeah, this this could have been the last episode, and I think it kind of should have been. Mm, I, I mean, I'm glad they wrapped it up the way they did, but there was the, it kind of all. Climaxes here. Yeah, this is the gladiator episode mm. where they take everyone who's survived the race up until now. And, 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 we, and we learn that there's like 30 other racers that we hadn't been following this whole time. Yeah, yeah and uh, and yeah, they all have to fight to the death, basically. Mm. And it's super, super dramatic, super melodramatic. The, uh, the suburban serial killer couple have a great bit where they're like, they finally like come together mm. and they realize their love of each other and killing. And they realize that... Uh, now is as good a time as any. They've they've done everything they wanted to do, and they as they stab each other in the neck, they say, "I've never wanted anyone to kill me but you." Oh, and it's super they, uh, romantic and, and horrifying. And they, and they kill each other, and it's kind of gut wrenching. <laughs> uh, Arthur and Grace are committed now. They're trying to be decent human beings, and they're trying not to kill anybody. They want to survive, but they don't want to kill anybody. Mm. Um, but uh, that gets pushed super far when it turns out that the old man who is running the Heart Corporation. He cuts his face open, peels off his entire body, <laughs> Scooby Doo style, and it turns out that the that the owner of the Heart Corporation this entire time was Grace's sister, Carmen. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I will give it to this show. Uh, I had no idea. Genuine surprise there. Genuinely shocked at that one. So that makes uh, Grace really pissed off. Makes her maybe want to kill. She gets and, into a huge fight with her sister, yeah. and it looks like uh, uh, Karma has thrown Grace into one of the car shredders, mm. and that makes Henry, uh, that makes uh, Arthur, Arthur flip the fuck out, and he goes on a murder spree, and, and he just, just starts gone. murdering people. Yeah, and and, and it's. It's not a badass moment. It's a tragic moment. It is. Because he's been trying really hard and it's sold and everybody's like, no, no, no. And in fact, it ends with him standing on top of a pile of corpses. He's covered in blood, seething, glad that he's murdered all these people. And the camera pulls back and we kind of, we turn the lights on in the studio. The audience is gone. The bleachers are empty. We kind of just see the, the set where they were filming that episode. And it turns, it's that this weird meta moment. It's like, and that's it. Morality is gone. That that was our show. Good night, everyone. I know why you want that to be yeah. the end of and, the and series. It, was, but it, it would have made a good ending. I'm glad they kind of brought it. Again, they needed to conclude a lot of the story, mm-hmm. but it was a good sort of well, button to put on the It's series. a hell of a crescendo, and you wonder mm-hmm. where they're going to go from here. Unfortunately, it's blood drive, and they have no shortage of ideas. <laughs> um, one of the things we finally see in this is the idea that the cars aren't just running on blood. They're also soul reclamators. And when you <laughs> shove someone's body into yeah. them, they turn, this, they turn your soul into, like, goo, and that mm. powers stuff, I guess. Problem is, if you have no soul... If you've ruined it, you just pop out the other side unharmed. So when Grace throws karma into her car... Turns out she's such an evil, horrendous person. And we do learn what happened between Mm. karma's disappearance and how she became the head of the corporation. We get get some flashbacks, and we learn that she's become the the most depraved person in the world. Yeah. Who just doesn't care. We'll kill everybody. Her soul is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm. Great. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so that yeah. so so that is that remains unresolved. Grace actually like it's going to be between her and Arthur. Mm. You know, kill or be killed. The winner is the primo. Grace just leaves. Yeah, <laughs> she, she abdicates. She's like, "Fuck it!" And for some reason, they let that slide. I don't know why, but yeah, like, they've been so cruel up until now. Oh, and we also learn Julian is like obliterated at some point in this episode, and we we learn in the Western episode that he has no navel, and also that he has no genitals, mm-hmm. and also that he's like a flesh bot yeah. of some kind. And in the next episode, uh, uh, in the next episode, uh, yeah. the episode Faces of Blood Drive, mm-hmm. um, Arthur is the primo. He has let celebrity gone go to his head. He's completely given it's, up it's on everything. He's a completely different character now. Pretty and much. what he doesn't realize is that the TV special that's going to play a tribute to him is also like his funeral and he's going to be sacrificed. Like that's his ultimate and as it prize. T- as he gets to be a celebrity for a bit uh, and then die. Which is why which when you think about it, like where are all the old primos? Well, I, well, where did they get all the old primos? This is a little a bit of a plot po- uh, plot hole because they... This is the first season of Blood Drive. It's only being watched by private people, and it's going to be taken public. I guess there were previous Blood Drives? There were previous Blood Drives, but they were only for people who worked at the Heart Corporation. However, the Heart Corporation okay. runs everything. Okay. So there, a lot of people did know about it. But it was still underground. Remember, the cops didn't know it existed yeah. in the first episode. But the, yeah, but now there's like six primos before this mm-hmm. that I guess were winners of previous Blood Drives. Yeah. And, right. and, or or and, other shows, it was it, it seemed and, unclear to me. And they were all sacrificed, mm-hmm. and somehow this didn't occur to Arthur until it was too late. Mm-hmm. He decides that uh, the only thing to do is to kill Julian Slink, and he does. He hits him with a broadsword until he's nothing but paste. Mm-hmm. And then you see from the point of view of Julian Slink's soul that he floats <laughs> into a, a cooler full of other Julian Slink bodies, and then just wakes up and walks back to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he was also he he and Aki were invented at the same time by the by the Heart Corporation. Yeah. And they're both different kinds of automata. Um, and, uh, yeah, he ends up uh, teaming up with Chris. Chris finds him again. Uh, but it turns out Chris is actually an evil robot. That's why they, uh, that's why they needed all that fluid from him. They wanted they to create it, Chris clones. Chris clone. Just to tempt Arthur into Ar- trying to kill Grace. Mm. Uh, Arthur, Arthur doesn't kill Grace, but he does kill Chris and with the that broadsword. And uh, afterwards, you know, Grace was just like, "How did you know he was a robot?" It's like I didn't. And that's the video that the Heart Corporation shows to Chris. Mm. And Chris decides to go full cyborg and, and try to kill Arthur in the last God. episode. The last episode is called Finish Line. They just racing to the Heart Corporation, Julian, Arthur, and Grace to blow the place up, kill Karma, and save the world. Yay! Sweet! And, uh... It goes quite badly. It goes quite badly. Uh, Ju- <laughs> Julian's, uh, like, immortality transfer unit is turned off, so if he gets destroyed, that's kind of it for him. Well, he's, he, he's, uh, he runs out of bodies. The uh, Karma destroys all his bodies. Oh, so there there's nothing, okay. there's nowhere for him to go mm. if he dies. So now death is actually a, a, an issue for him. He's running around the building, blowing shit up. Uh, uh, Arthur and Grace are trying to ascend to the top floor in order to take down Karma. But, the but, first thing Karma does as soon as they walk into a room is shoot a giant gun and kill Arthur. Just obliterate it into nothingness. <laughs> Grace fights her and then realizes that she can't hurt her sister. She mm. feels too much guilt for this. So she uses that gun on herself and that's when she realizes that the gun teleports them into the basement. <laughs> <laughs> where, they're, where, where Arthur so, is already fighting Chris. Or, ordinarily that would be a cheap shot. Shot, but in this show, 
what it's it whatever it's anything goes in a fun way yeah it's not in the, it, like it's chaos but it's watchable chaos it, Car- it's kind of a weird thing to say but karma kills julian they manage to find a way to keep karma from using her blood portals the whole building fucking blows up and everyone dies except arthur who in the last shot of the series wakes up on like a prison island run by the heart corporation mm, called blood island which is clearly where they would have season gone with season two, two yeah. is it would have been you know started with the prison movie which is another grindhouse yeah. trope they hadn't gotten to yet <laughs> um yay <laughs> and that's blood drive and and like i said i kind of love this show i kind of love this show it grew on me it's it, so fucking interesting it, and good it, it's they were able to keep it fresh they were able to stick to the premise mm-hmm. uh and they were able to s- keep their balls to the wall that's the thing they that's never the, backed off that's the trick with this you mm. you run the risk when you're telling a story that is this high Mm. Just high on fumes the entire (laughs) time. When you're telling a story like this, you run the risk of exhausting the audience, of running out of ideas, of losing track of any semblance of humanity. So at some point you're just watching noise. Mm. We've all seen movies like this. Movies that are trying to just, you know, throw violence and sex and gore at you. And maybe they're entertaining for a bit, but Mm. after a while you you start tuning it out. Mm. Blood Drive is a really good balance of actual characters... But heightened characters, but actual characters. Enough that you care about them. Yeah. Um, enough innovation from episode to episode that things, like, you never There's get bored. a lot bored. of visual variety. Yeah. Visual variety, genre variety, um, the storyline. You know, I, 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 I'm I, sure, uh, what's the name of the, uh, James Rowland, the guy who created the show. Oh. I'm sure he has a Bible which explains fucking everything <laughs> somewhere. But, like, you know, watching it now, I'm like, I'm not sure how it all falls together. But I'm glad it does mm. by finding all of these interesting commonalities between all of these various genres and saying they all take place in the same world you can create something super exciting this is something that total recall 2070 failed to do it was a good premise they, we're gonna they, take all the philip k dick stories and put them in one universe but the characters were boring the stories were were dispassionate mm. and this and the storytelling cinematically was pretty conventional here everything is so excited Everyone is excited <laughs> to be a part of this. Everyone's excited mm. to tell these stories. It works. Mm. I, I love this show. It, it's uh, it, it's it's like a scab sculpture. Like it, it's it's disgusting <laughs> and it's you, fascinating at the same time. Re- okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, just it's it's re- deliberately repellent, and yet you're still really drawn in. It has that. That kind of train wreck quality by design. Yeah. And it's rare that I've seen that work. I feel like even Terry Gilliam can't do this with every outing. No. Somebody who can take a lot of personal chaos and over-the-top ideas and weird ideas and wild visuals and make them seem like a the basis of a really appealing drama. It's like it's like uh, um it's like machete kills. Like where yeah. you're just you're watching Machete Kills and you're just like everything in this should be fun. Yeah, it's like, this is fun in concept. There, there's but you're a not good doing it bit right. here or there, but like it just feels like you're just kind of like, okay. Sofia Vergara, she has boob guns. Why is that not entertaining? Why did you make that dumb? Because it's just a little piece of the puzzle and doesn't mm. actually connect. It's just off to the side here. Yeah, it doesn't actually feel like it. It doesn't feel like everything's interconnected in a way that means something mm. here. Everything's interconnected in a world that works this way. Every, the world functions, and I, I feel like, I don't want to live there. It sounds like horrible, but I'm really glad I got to look at it. 
You watched the 2007 movie Grindhouse, and some, a movie I love, by the way, I, I like it a lot. Uh, but when it comes to really understanding sort of the the depravity of the Grindhouse, only a few of the filmmakers involved understood. I feel like Robert Rodriguez didn't get it. I agree because he went on to do stuff because he made the fake preview for Machete. Uh-huh. That one felt about right. The, the fake preview felt about right. Yeah, but this feature film, not so much. His feature film was a big, outlandish, crazy, 70s-inspired thing, yeah. but it's not actually the kind of thing people made at the time, exactly. and, and it fe- feels and, really weird. And, and you can say the same thing about Planet Terror. It, it was inspired by, like, John Carpenter-ish sort of stuff, so it's really 80s. Yeah. But, it yeah, it didn't feel like a, a product. Tarantino's a little more so, although it felt more like a Tarantino film. Yeah, uh, but it's it's clearly of if, the if same I, vein. It's uh, uh, if, if if you're judging full, them by full, full disclosure, I work for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but like, if you're judging them by which one was more period accurate, Desperate was more period accurate. If you're judging mm. by which one's more entertaining, eh, whatever it's you prefer, they're both but, fun. But there were also fake previews within, like um, Rob Zombie did Werewolf with Men of the SS. Okay, clearly that's over the top. I feel like the idea behind that was mm. more solid, but like the filmmaking, like no one told and him actually, it had to look like the seventies. A grindhouse movie it would just be it would be Ilsa of the SS. It would just be SS sex torture I, Nazi exploitation movie. I, I get it. He was doing the spi- the the ripoff yeah, of well, Ilsa, which much. is which is kind of fun. Um, Eli Roth Thanksgiving. Yeah, that, that's legit. That's that's fair. Uh, uh, Edgar Wright's don't. That's just a joke. It's you know, a there's, joke. There's but no movie in there. It, yeah, it doesn't feel like a real movie. <laughs> I want to see that movie regardless, but yeah, that, movie, <laughs> no, that trailer is great. It's fine as a joke. I don't need to see the movie. And uh, and another one that was clearly a precursor to uh, Blood Drive, and I think most directly, was Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, Hobo with a Shotgun was a trailer that was not released in the American edition of Grindhouse, but I think it was in Canada. It was, it was in Canada. Was, at the end of Grindhouse in Canada, they showed a pre, uh, another trailer for a movie called Hobo with a Shotgun, which was the result of a contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, viewers were allowed to make their own fake Grindhouse trailers, and that was the winner. Yeah, and it ended up becoming a feature film starring Rucker Hauer, mm. which is actually really good. Like, it's, I like it's it. It's pretty good. For what it is, it's, it's quite good. Rucker Hauer gives actually one of his better performances yeah, R- in Rucker that movie. Rucker Hauer is good, but it takes place in uh, the same world as Blood Drive. It's this heightened world. Yeah. The world is at, kind of at an end. People are murdered in the streets. And in that movie, people are just sacks of blood. Like, somebody gets their foot smashed and eight gallons of blood splash out on the ground. Isn't it weird how, like, Grindhouse was, uh, from a box office perspective, a failure. It cost a lot mm-hmm. of money. It didn't make money. And yet well, it's mean, had a three-hour film. It was hard to make it back. Uh, fair it was, enough. It was a tough but, sell. Fair enough. But it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a hit. Mm. It had so many spinoffs. It, it, it had Hobo with a Shotgun, ins- two machetes. They're still they're they're, they're working on Thanksgiving finally. Yeah, or Thanksgiving. The, it inspired yeah. this whole. And you look on Netflix, and there's a whole spate of these things that went straight to Netflix. Oh yeah. So just, even just though it wasn't ripoffs a, of Grindhouse, even it wasn't a hit. It inspired this neo Grindhouse aesthetic, which is still well, we're still kind of living through, and mm-hmm. which is why I was a little bit wary when I first started up Blood Drive because it looks like yet another one of these. You watch any of those grindhouse inspired films on Netflix most of them suck. You know, I have this rule where if I see something that looks really grindhousey mm-hmm. on on streaming or on DVD if I'm shopping around and I go ooh what I do is I always look at what year it yeah, was made. Yeah, you, you look if at the it, date if it was made in 1981, then you're it's good. Then it's probably good because <laughs> you don't make these things by accident. It was harder to make them mm. and they probably put some effort into it. And maybe it sucks, but it's probably entertainingly bad. If it was made in 2012, it probably stinks. Yeah, probably and a lot. <laughs> I, because they're they're they make them because they're easy. I'm not saying they all do. I'm sure we can all come up with a, with a, an mm. example that disproves that rule. But 
There's a lot. Like, like you can pay, like, uh, what was that one with, um, it's like the 1980s retro future, like, Turbo Kid, I think? Turbo Kid's tur- okay. Turbo it's not Kid. my favorite. I like that uh, one. Kung, Kung Fury. It, it's a good joke. It doesn't need to be yeah. a feature. Don't make Wolf it Cop a is another one that has a lot of followers. A lot of people like that yeah. one. There's a few. Well, whatever about Wolf Cop. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> my point is, is that there's a few, yeah. but, well, um... But this like is, if, if I run aground on a film, it says like a robot versus Bigfoot, and you made that in 1974. I'm going to want to watch that movie, yeah, especially if it's Mexican. Um, robot versus Bigfoot in 2012. It's like, oh well, now you're just you're doing a satire. You're doing parodies. Yeah, of you're things. not. It doesn't. It, you have a sense it's not going to be genuine. Blood Drive is genuine. It's genuine. It's they the, love the original the only, thing. One of the only things since the 2007 Grindhouse that feels genuine. What? Okay, now what if if Blood Drive had lasted and I wish it had? <laughs> what other genres would you have wanted them to do? Because I think we desperately need a nun exploitation mm. episode. A needed nun exploitation. Needed Christ exploitation. So if okay. they get real Jesus involved somehow. <laughs> Like actual Jesus Christ is a character like, on like the show. Like if footmen tire you, what will horses do? Like yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, I can see that. You needed a Billy see. Jack episode. Oh yeah, yeah. You totally <laughs> needed a Billy Jack. Episode. Uh, you needed. Uh, this was when if if they had gone into space, they would have had to go a long way. They would have had to do a whole season in space. I think. Well, I mean, you ha- to get at some point you have to go. Genres. At some point you have to go into the scar, and I feel like the yeah. scar is literally hell. Like it kind of has to be, so or it's a portal hell. to another dimension, yeah, or, yeah. or something like that. So you have another Julian Slank. They'd have to bring back Julian Slank. They can't leave him dead. I, he's going to have to find another body or something, yeah. or I, I don't know. It's only a matter of time because he's hmm. such a. He's, well, he's such I mean, an important aspect. He's an important aspect, and he's really kind of the heart of the show. Just that mm-hmm. sort of joy in depravity. Plus, he's the center of the meta joke. He is the voice of the showrunners, mm-hmm. speaking directly to the audience. And I love that he was the, the heart of this meta joke, and that he really was the representative the representative of of mm. the show they needed to do like the mascot, a, that's they needed to do like a for. cautionary tale one because like there's oh, this like fake, a, a drug scare episode? yeah like a yeah. reefer madness episode that would have been a lot of fun uh-huh. uh let's see what we got here they, they, there, there uh, was no actual kung fu you know what they never did and that when they were on the yeah they never did a kung fu one you're mm. right um they're on the prison island, and you know they're going to do like the big bird cage or like one of those right, one of those right. prison movies. Uh, when you're done with that, you're already on an island. Why not a monster island? I'll have a stop motion dinosaur. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's go nuts. We uh, have have a, a co- like an episode of cave like modern day teenage cave women. Yeah, mm. good times. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm trying. Trying to think here. Yeah, it, your hunter from the future turns out that you know there's time travel. Well, t- time travel would be a little dumb. Really, at this point, uh, you, uh, you know what they? I I will put all my faith in the showrunners because they clearly know what they're talking about. <laughs> we never had they a Luchador don't... episode. We needed a Luchador episode. <laughs> like, well, they they had the the Gladiator episode, that but we need a Luchador. Episode. Like, you need a proper Luchador. Well, why not? Let's enjoy it. Okay. Um, yeah. What, whatever Argento, you need a oh, serial killer episode. Like getting off the Jalo. island. Getting off the island. You have to do a shark episode. Like of a mutant shark. Mutant that's, sharks are just yeah. sea creatures. Okay. Yeah, but, okay. Definitely gotta do uh, that. Um Man, it would have been a lot of fun. Just to, to just a brainstorm and come up with all of this. Yeah. I really wish the show had gone on. Obviously the show was canceled too soon. <laughs> it it was definitely canceled too soon. I'm and I'm really surprised that I hadn't heard of it before we were doing research for this show. It seems like the kind of thing people we know would have been talking about because we know yeah, a lot of people who yeah. like this cult stuff. Well, and I think, but I think they were scared off by the 
grindhouse in 2012 aspect to it. It's like we're just going to do this crazy mm. crap and it's going to feel like a parody when the genuine article, people who would watch this were, would be familiar with the genuine article mm-hmm. and they know it's better. And let's be honest here, Sci-Fi Channel has a spotty history with its original programming. Exactly. Yeah. For well, every Battlestar Galactica, there's a, a dozen painkiller Janes. Or, which was or, not very good. But all of their and you know you look at all their original movies. They have yeah. these kind of satirical titles, Mega Piranha and Super Crocodile, whatever they got. They people are watching them for camp reasons. They're not earnest films, and then they make them and they're kind of earnest films, but they're not good. There, every once in a while, there's 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 some good ones out there. Oh, I would I would give uh, here and there. No, no, it's it's the it's the it's the minority of the films that mm-hmm. are released originally on sci-fi. But every once in a while, uh-huh. you'll get one where it's like an acquisition or something. Like Abominable is a really really great uh, Abominable Snowman movie. Okay. Like really good. Like yeah. I, it's it's Rear Window but with a Yeti, and I'm like, cool. Oh, that's fine. Fine that, premise. That's a, that's a great idea. That one was pretty. Yetis. Good. <laughs> we didn't do Yetis. How do you not have Yetis? <laughs> they go to the Arctic. Yetis exploitation. It's Yay! not. A, it's not a genre, but Blood Drive could do it. Santa exploitation. Oh yeah, the Christmas episode. They, they, they didn't they, do a Christmas episode. There was a Halloween episode, but they never did a Christmas episode. Mm. You got to do a Christmas episode. Come on, <laughs> get your God. head in the game. Come on, you can t- you can just see Julian Slinkett's plans for a Christmas it, episode. It might have been too much for the first season to have um, a proper Christmas episode. Prob- but, but can't you just imagine Julian Slink on like with reindeer that breathe yeah. fire and like <laughs> oh, it was so cool. Um, sex slave elves, whatever he's got. Oh, God, you know, it's so fucked up. Sex slave robot elves. It'd be great. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so Blood Drive. I'm wandering around a video store in my head, just like looking at the different sections they had. Uh, Blood Drive is currently available on Amazon Video. It was available on Hulu when we started working on the episode. I start. I watched it on Hulu. Yeah, by the but time I started watching it, it was off it was Hulu. It was off Hulu. And I had to pay for it on Amazon, which sucked. Uh, but it is all there, and it's like, I think but it's like you, $20 you for got, the season. You got the good. uncensored version. Yes. The one on Hulu was censored. Oh, they they still blackbarred some of the major nudity, but oh. like, yeah, there's a lot of nudity, there's a lot of swearing, there's a lot of violence. A lot of extreme, extreme violence. Uh, if it's ever on DVD, get it on DVD. Mm. If you just want to watch it on Amazon or whatever, you, you can, it's available. Um, and I think it's worth the money. I, I'm really, really glad I watched this show. I'm glad mm. this we, we took it's, a chance on this weird one, because I was really kind of dreading it. I'm like, this seems like, this one, it's like we, living we, biblically, where like the idea sounds... Sounds like it might be a good episode to cancel too soon, but ultimately it's just not a very good sitcom. Like yeah. this was a great show. So I loved this watch, show yeah. so much. Um, so next week on Cancel Too Soon, or rather this week, because this episode was so late. <laughs> so later this week. Later this week, and we need to get to it in September because it's a theme month and we had to finish it by September. So mm-hmm. it will be soon. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, if you're a member on Patreon, if you're a patron, uh, you have had a couple of Cancel Too Soon monthly movie episodes to tide you over yeah. in the middle here. We didn't want to leave you hanging. So uh, go to patreon.com slash cancel too soon, cancel with one L. Uh, for $5 and up, you get bonus episodes of the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. Also later this week, uh, we're going to have a, the next episode of Only the Best, where we review every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, uh, new episode of that's coming out later this week. I just have one more movie I got to watch, and I got to go to the UCLA library in order to do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, next week... We're going to be reviewing a film decided by our patrons. That's right. Also, our patrons get to pick an episode of the show every single month. Uh, We gave you a bunch of different options of recently canceled shows, uh, including stuff like Everything Sucks and Gypsy. And the one you chose was The Mayor. A, a sitcom about a local rapper who is elected, runs for mayor as a joke and is elected. Yep. 
Uh, and it's and about his political life. A, a celebrity who 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 ran for political office despite being dramatically unqualified, but dang it, knew how to play the system and ended up in a position of high authority. Uh, it's not topical at all. Not for a second, which may be why it lasted so long. <laughs> Uh, that is currently available only on Amazon, near as we can tell. I think it's also on YouTube if you pay for it. Yeah. Like it's one of their pay uh, uh, shows. Um, so if you want to catch up, you can watch uh, it on there. And uh, be sure to stick around because October isn't October. October mm. is Scary-tober. Thanks, thanks for uh, running that one by me before, You're welcome. Uh, before we went with that title. I tell you, just come up with decisions on your own. I'll have to... We're both... I can come up with stupid decisions on my own on the fly as well. We both have a theater background. You say yes and... Um, <laughs> when you come up with a stupid idea, you say yes, and? <laughs> Darling, I'm breaking up with you. Oh, God, is it all the improv? Yes. Yes, and? <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, it's a joke I heard okay. elsewhere. <laughs> it's a funny joke. It's a funny joke. It's though. a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, but we have a bunch of horror-themed shows besides Blood Drive. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it kind of worked out, but like kind of segues into the month. But yeah, um, but yeah we have a bunch of uh, cool horror themed shows throughout the month of October, and then in November, uh, it's a marvelous month of Marvels, and we're only going to be reviewing TV series that failed that were based on Marvel superhero comics. So yeah. uh, stick around. Thank you, everybody, uh, for for listening. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it for this episode. So um, again, again, Patreon. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. We're at we're at CancelCast on Twitter. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, we will see you next season.